So we turn to scripture for our readings this morning, the first of which is from Acts chapter 16 and verses 16 through to 34. It's Acts 16, 16 to 34. You can find that on page 1122. It's the story of Paul and Silas and various encounters which led them to be in prison. Once, when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of a Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned round and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realised that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into a marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his family were baptised. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole family. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And let's stand for our Gospel reading, which is from John chapter 4 this morning. It'll be followed on page 1077 if you've got the blue Bibles. And beginning at the fourth verse. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. John. Glory to you, O Lord. Now Jesus had to go through Samaria, so he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from a journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? 
for Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us a well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and his flocks and his herds? Jesus answered, all who drink this water will be thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here for water. He told her, Go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. Jesus said to her, You are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus declared, Believe me, woman, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshippers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah, the Christ, is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples returned and were surprised to find him talking with a woman, but no one asked, what do you want, or why are you talking with her? Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back into town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? They came out of the town and made their way toward him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise, Praise to you, O Christ. Lord God, we thank you for these tremendous stories of divine encounters. And we pray, Lord God, that we might be encouraged as we reflect on them together and apply your truths to our lives. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Do be seated. Two quite lengthy uh, readings this morning. I want to focus on the first of the two from the book of Acts, Acts chapter 16. I've uh, really been encouraged by stories of God at work in uh, recent weeks. Uh, I've just got back from my summer stint at Hazelmere yesterday evening, or yesterday afternoon, and had the privilege there of hearing lots of stories of young people and leaders uh, growing in faith, in some cases coming to faith in Christ for the first time. In fact, it was uh, quite exciting. I was back here over the weekend, as some of you know, popped back to Hazelmere on Monday for the final stint, and um, as you do at mealtimes, you just chat with various folk. And uh, I asked this young lad of probably 14, 15, uh, what's been the highlight of your week so far? 
And I thought he was going to say it was that amazing liquid leisure trip, which sounds like a dodgy Sunderland nightclub, but actually is a, a sort of giant aqua park um, near, uh, near Datchet, near Windsor. So I thought he might say that, or, or you know, one of the great sporting activities, or the amazing friendships, or um, you know, something of that sort of nature. But he just looked at me and said, my highlight is I became a Christian. He'd come from Aylesbury with a friend, a friend called Zach. Zach was in my small group. Zach had a couple of amazing encounters with the Holy Spirit through the course of a week and has gone away full of enthusiasm for his faith. It's great to see God at work and to see lives changed. Two of uh, the down-end chaps shared testimony in one of the morning meetings, so Johnny Dobson Joseph Porter both spoke of the way in which God had worked in their lives. Testimony is powerful. Although people might question what we believe, they can't take away from our own experiences. And the book of Acts is full of stories of God at work. And today we have stories of Paul and Silas with this slave girl and then the jailer. We're going to focus on the messengers, Paul and Silas, and see what we can learn from them. It's a sort of week in the life of Paul and Silas. And in these incidents described is a classic example of two people who were prepared to go with the flow of what God was doing. They were ready to be used by God, and they kept focused on the one in whom they believed and trusted. They were ready to stand for God. They could have had a nice quiet week, low profile, let's keep out of trouble. But the choices they made actually got them into trouble. We read that they were on their way to the temple to pray. It's the equivalent of us wandering down the road to get to the 9.30 service on a Thursday morning. And they probably didn't want to be distracted because they wanted to get to the temple to pray on time. And yet, they sensed that God was telling them to do something slightly different. And firstly, there's this incident with the slave girl. This slave girl, she's something of a clairvoyant. She's seeing the future and being used by her owners as a source of income. And she hangs around uh, Paul and Silas and a group of believers being rather annoying, harassing them, shouting at them, drawing attention to them. There's not actually much clairvoyancy going on. She's stating the obvious, a bit like much of what claims to be clairvoyancy today. But after several days of being stalked, Paul senses a spiritual dynamic in play and commands an evil spirit to come out of her, which it does. They must have known that this would cause quite a bit of a stir. The girls' bosses would have lost a big source of income. And they were out for blood, but Paul simply did what he believed God was calling him to do, regardless of the consequences. And in this case, the consequences were being stripped, beaten, flogged and imprisoned. But Paul and Silas were prepared for that because they were ready to stand for God. They were ready to stand for God walking along the street and they were ready to stand for him in prison. You don't see them complaining bitterly about their lot. 
Instead, we read they were praying and singing hymns late into the night. I imagine it was pretty difficult to, to sleep. The conditions in Roman prisons weren't, present, uh, weren't pleasant. We're told they had their feet in the stocks. It would have been pretty uncomfortable. What a massive temptation to have a good old moan. But instead, they worship and pray and demonstrate their reliance on God. That's pretty challenging stuff, isn't it, to us? When we find ourselves in difficult circumstances, circumstances and situations not of our choosing, how do we respond? Do we believe that God can use us even when all is bleak and things aren't quite going to plan? But their response and our response serves as a witness to others as to our true allegiance. The other prisoners listened to Paul and Silas's prayers and hymns. It wasn't exactly your late night um, atmosphere in a typical British prison, perhaps. They were ready to stand for God, but they were also ready to be used by him in whatever way he chose. You don't sense here a, a striving to make things happen. Instead, there's a readiness to go with the flow and just be caught up in God's plans and purposes. They were ready for anything. And God brings about an opportunity for them in quite an unexpected way. In the midst of all the hymn singing and the prayer, there's a violent earthquake. The doors of the prison are thrown open and the chains of the prisoners are loosed. And whilst the jailer panics, the believers remain calm and the opportunity arises to lead the jailer to Christ. This is quite an eventful week or two for uh, Paul and Silas. There's then an early form of baptism preparation class taking place and the jailer and his whole family are baptised. The jailer who hours before had been suicidal, fearing the wrath of the Roman bosses, is now full of joy and gratitude because of his encounter with the living God. It's really struck me this week, actually. Um, I was looking at the um, parables of the lost uh, coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son. And in each case, the emphasis at the end of those parables is on the joy, the joy of finding one who is lost. What great joy there must have been in heaven this week for uh, Zach having experiences of the Holy Spirit, for his friend James becoming a Christian for the first time. Celebration. Joy and gratitude. Would what have happened for the jailer in this prison 2,000 years ago have happened if Paul and Silas hadn't stood up to the slave girl? They simply did what they thought was right before God and God honoured them in that. Their behaviour arose from that firm belief that God was with them and that God wouldn't let them down. They didn't worry about the consequences of their actions, they just sought to honour God in all things. To be distinctive. And God asks us to be ready to stand for him. He calls us to be open to being used by him. And that could happen in any way, at any time, in any place. And the good news is we don't have to be some sort of super apostle like Paul. God can and will use every one of us if we're willing to ask for his help. 
And he'll put us in situations where we can choose to honour him. We honour God when we stand up for what is right and speak out against what is wrong. That may mean speaking up for someone who's getting a rough deal. It might mean challenging an attitude of racism or sexism. We honour God when we quietly get on with serving others without seeking reward and recognition, as so many here do. With a simple desire to live out God's call and to serve his people. We honour God when we hold lightly to our own agendas and slow down enough to sense what God is wanting to do by his spirit. Paul and Silas put aside their desire to be at that place of worship and prayer and they expressed their worship in their action in the way they dealt with the slave girl and then later on with the jailer. A week in the life of Paul and Silas was somewhat eventful. I'm not expecting the week ahead to be quite so dramatic for us. You never know. But let's go into this bank holiday weekend and on into the next week ready to stand for God and ready to be used by God for his glory and in his name. There might be unexpected things ahead. There might be interruptions, surprises, demands placed upon us. But as we seek to honour God, he will work in us and through us by his grace. And to finish just with some verses from Romans 12 from the message uh, translation. It says this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well adjusted to our culture that you'd fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Amen.